What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Built Different Podcast. My name is Zach Clinton. I'll be your host. And as we continue to grow, I'll have friends joining me each week to interview some of the leading experts in the fields of motivational speaking, mental health, ministry, and even sports. Our goal is to instill hope, encouragement, and motivation in and through your life today. And our prayer is that after each episode, you'd be more equipped and encouraged to look, love, and live more like Christ from the inside out. That's our definition of what it means to be built different. So I hope you're ready. You better buckle up. Let's roll. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to this week's edition of the Built Different Podcast. I hope and pray you all had a blessed weekend. I know I did. I just love the opportunity of spending time with my wife, with my family, with friends, just getting outside. I love the outdoors. I love nature. I love spending time in God's creation and just witnessing just witnessing His majesty. Um, it's been a beautiful weekend here in Lynchburg, Virginia. It's also been a little rainy. I'm not going to lie. I don't know where you're at, located across the country right now or across the world, but it has been a very rainy summer thus far, but I'm excited because what I just saw on my weather app was that over the next 10 days, we're going to see and experience some sunshine. So I cannot wait uh, just to spend some more countless hours outside in the days ahead of us. Guys, what I want to remind you of today is this. God has placed a very special purpose and calling upon your life. He has called you to great things. I think of Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, which says the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. In other words, it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter our past, our mistakes, the decisions that we've made in the past, but the calling that God has placed in your life, nobody could possibly ever take it away from you. You have that. You have been blessed with that. Yet how many times have we seen people with an incredible calling and an incredible purpose give it all up for what? For nothing, for things that are super cheap, right? We're, we're too cheap in this life. We sell out too easily. So today, uh, I just wanted to share with you guys a message that God placed on my heart a few months back, actually leading up to um, this past Easter season and the Easter holiday. And I actually was able to deliver this message to a college football team on what is better known as Spy Wednesday. When we talk about what it looks like to be cheap and to sell out our calling and the purpose that God has blessed us with, that's exactly what I think of is what Spy Wednesday is all about. Spy Wednesday actually um, stems back from the passage found in Scripture in the book of Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 to 16. This is what they read. Then one of the 12, who we're referencing here, the 12 disciples, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? Obviously, he's referencing Jesus here. So he's asking, what will you give me if I deliver Jesus over to you? And the word says that they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment on, he sought an opportunity to betray Christ. 30 pieces of silver. You know, I think 
Oftentimes we look at this passage of scripture or we hear the story about Judas and we think to ourselves, man, what in the world is wrong with this guy? Like this dude has literally witnessed countless miracles. He has walked miles upon miles upon miles with Christ. He has been able to experience his presence and his power at a very up close and personal way. How could he possibly betray somebody like Christ who he has learned under, who has mentored him, who has loved him, who has shown him? that he is the way, the truth, and the life. How could he not have believed? How could he have betrayed him instead? But then I have to take a step back and remind myself of all the times in my life, but also all the people that I've seen trade what they want most in this life for what they want now. Yes, we all have a calling and a purpose that God has bestowed upon our life, but we're so quick to trade that for what? For just the cheapest of things. You'll hear me talk about this. For what? For a night out, right? A night at the bar? A few too many drinks? A cheap one night stand? Like, what are you willing to trade your purpose and your calling for? I've seen it time and time again. I've had the opportunity of serving as a counselor, but also kind of serving in that sports psychology space and just seeing people that have all the talent in the world blow it because of one decision, because of one night out, because of one mistake. I just want to remind you today, friends, your calling and your purpose is worth so much more than those things, that your value and your worth is worth so much more than those things. And so this message that I felt like God placed on my heart, as I mentioned, stems out of that scripture in Matthew 26, 14 to 16, talking, really referencing out of Spy Wednesday. But what my prayer is, is that it would be just seven words. There's seven words that begin with the letter E, seven principles that I believe will help you build and develop the sense of inner excellence and step into the purpose and the calling that God has bestowed upon your life specifically. Guys, that's my prayer, is that you would just be able to take away some nuggets of wisdom that I felt like God placed on my heart to share, uh, not only with the football team I had the opportunity of sharing it with a few months back, but also with you today, that you would take away some things that you could begin applying to your life, to maybe view it through a different perspective, and maybe to really step into, right, and maybe step out of the pits you find yourself in and into the purpose that God has blessed you with. My friends, so without further ado, let me take you to that message right now. You guys have such a purpose and a calling on your life. And my only goal here today is to remind you of some of that, remind you of your worth. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for these moments. I pray, God, that you'd be in our midst. God, that your presence would be felt, that you would remove within me anything that may prohibit your word from being brought forth. Thank you for these opportunities. We love you. We ask all of these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys, so this week, okay, it's known as Holy Week, as many of you know. This weekend coming up, Easter Sunday, it's a weekend where everybody, literally over 2 billion people are going to come together to reflect on, to remember, and to celebrate all that Christ has done. It's very easy for us then to naturally think of, you know, this upcoming weekend and already skip ahead to that. Friday, Good Friday, what it represents. Christ coming, dying a death, a substitutionary death in your place on a cross, in your place. 
reflecting on that. Silent Saturday is a day that is often overlooked as well. It's a day where when you think about it, it's like, man, I think of the disciples naturally. They've been following Jesus, going with him everywhere, every single day. That was their purpose. That was their calling in life. But then all of a sudden, the guy, their leader was dead. He was dead, dead. He was in an empty, he was in a tomb. And it had a big old stone around it and there were guards outside. They couldn't get to him. And I can't imagine what they were thinking in life. Like, is this it? Did I follow him for this moment to not know what was next? The uncertainty that went with that? But then the hope that comes on Sunday. What we celebrate. The opportunity in knowing that three days later we serve a God who rose from the dead, defeating sin, defeating death for all of eternity. That's the hope that we get to live with. What most people, though, don't think about and don't remember are the days leading up to that holy weekend. Today is actually known as Spy Wednesday, where thousands of years ago, it's remembered because there was one disciple, one of the chosen twelve, named Judas Iscariot, betrayed Christ on this day. In Matthew 26, verses 14 to 16, it reads, Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? They paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. What I've realized in life is that it's amazing what people will do for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. This is a guy who had an unbelievable purpose, an unbelievable calling on his life, man. He was chosen by God to be a follower of Christ, to go about and to be a pillar on which the early church was going to be stood. He had a purpose, man. Everyone in this room has a purpose. But what will we trade it for? 30 pieces of silver? Is it worth that to you? That's it? 30 pieces of silver. Come on. He was cheap. He was a sellout and he was too busy searching for a price tag, forgetting that his worth and value was deeply rooted in his purpose that God had already given to him. Fellas, not everybody who's on the bus is on the bus. Everything he had seen, everything he had done, all the miracles he had witnessed, the miles he had followed after Christ... He had pursued him, yet he was willing to give it all up. My question for you today as we begin is, what are you willing to do? And what are you willing to give up to step into the purpose that God has placed on your life? What are you willing to do and what are you willing to give up to be the very best version of yourself? To become the best version that God has destined and created you to be? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? I personally believe that we all have a little Judas inside of us. We all got a little bit of Judas inside of us. Because when tough times come in life, it's easy to trade. It's easy to sell out. It's easy to ask for half price. It's easy to do those things. I believe that anybody who has a calling or a purpose on their life, I shared this the other night with a lot of the male athletes, Anybody who has a calling and purpose, the drug of choice in our culture and society, comfort and convenience. 
We want everything as easy and as cheap as possible. Think about this. We want our food fast. We want our men and women easy. We want success overnight. We want to lose 30 pounds in 30 days. We like cheat sheets instead of study guides, handouts instead of hard work, welfare instead of jobs. We want God's promises without his processes. And we want our destiny at a discount. But let me remind you of something. Greatness never goes on sale and vision never sleeps. Anything worth value in this life is going to come at a cost. Anything is going to come at a cost. But I believe this. The words of C.S. Lewis still ring true today. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. He said, like ignorant children who want to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine or fathom what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. 30 pieces of silver, really? But we unsettle for it time and time again. Why? Because maybe somebody or something in this life, maybe an experience you've endured, you've gone through, made you believe that that was all that you were worth. See, I'm a counselor by trade. I'm a sports psychologist. I sit across from a lot of collegiate and professional athletes on a daily basis. Guys calling me up at night, right? They're struggling. They, don't, they want to be able to perform at their very best. Some of the best of the best to do it. I've had the opportunity of talking to, but for whatever reason, I'm so tired of people trading everything that they've worked for, the calling and the purpose God has placed on their life to play the great game of football. To trade it in for What? A night out with the boys? To trade it for what? A one night stand that'll give you just the immediate gratification? Is that all that it's worth to you? Are we willing to give it all up, to put it all in jeopardy, to put it all at risk for something that will never fulfill the calling or the longing or the desire that is instilled within us? No, it ain't worth it. It's not worth it. My prayer for you today, in the time that I have left, I'm going to share seven words that I believe will help you live a life that is all in. A life that will remind you of your worth. Seven simple things, seven simple steps that you can begin taking to not give it all up for this. To have a greater purpose and to step into it. The first word... That if you're taking notes, I want you to write down. If you're not taking notes, you better store this in your mental, mental background. Is expectation. Is an expectation. When we're trying to be all into something, we have to understand that the game, right? In football, the game is always yours to win. It's never yours to lose. If you're sitting in this room right now and you don't have the expectation, right, to go out there and that you're going to compete to the very best of your ability that you want to win every single game this year, that you want to win a conference championship, you probably shouldn't even be here. I'll just wake you up right now. If you don't have the expectation, then what are you doing here? Too often, though, in life, it has a tendency to deliver some knockout, unexpected blows that knock us to the canvas of the boxing ring we call life. It'll knock us straight out because it's unexpected. Right? So how then do I have the expectation when I've gotten hit really hard in life? Inky Johnson, one of my good friends, he said, people don't quit, burn out, or underachieve in life because of what they do. 
People quit burnout and underachieving life because life makes them forget why they do it. Some of you have just forgotten your purpose because life has been a little too hard. Some of you come from difficult pasts, difficult homes. I get it. I sit across from people all the time. I was blessed and fortunate to have two parents that invested in my life. But man, I went through some difficult, deep waters. I was willing to trade the purpose that I've stepped into in my life early on for all sorts of things. Pornography, toxic relationships, all that garbage. I was willing to give it all up, man. And I could stand here boldly and vulnerably in front of you today because I'll tell you this. It wasn't worth it. It only damaged my soul even more. And it took me further from my purpose. As Rocky Balboa would say, this world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place and it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, nobody's going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward because that is how winning is done. In life, when we get beat down, I think where we struggle the most is by attaching to the lie that, yeah, I know who God is. Yeah, I know that God loves me. But in this particular moment, I'm not sure that he has my best interest at heart. So what we try to do is we try to step out of our purpose and into God's role and purpose. And we try to reach for anything to numb or to anesthetize the pain or to fill the void that that pain has caused. That only God can heal. That only God can fill. But we try to do it ourselves because it's like, man, I don't trust you, God. Sometimes it's not about questioning your toughness. Every man in this room is tough. You guys play a, a very difficult sport, man. Running full speed, putting your bodies on the lines each and every day. I ain't questioning your toughness, but I am questioning your ability to trust. Do you trust that he has something greater in store? That's what James 1, 2 to 4 is all about. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. For we know that the testing of our faith goes on to produce perseverance. So let perseverance finish its race so that you may be mature, complete and lacking nothing. We don't consider it pure joy because of the trial or the hardship. No, we consider it pure joy because of what that trial or hardship can and will produce within us if we so let God do it. Be expectant that God is doing something in the midst of your life, that he goes before you and beyond you. And understand that the rest of your days can become the best of your days if you let God lead the way. Be expectant. Number two, I believe that our expectancy or that our belief then fuels our preparation. Or number two is the energy and the effort that we give to life. I always say this. If you don't have the expectancy, right? if you don't have the belief that you're going to win, you're going to go very half-hearted just through the motions and everything that you do. Because it's like, it ain't worth it. If I'm sitting in this room and I don't believe that I'm going to get a shot to play, if I'm just a bench guy and I don't think I even have a chance, I don't even have the belief that maybe, maybe I'm redshirted this year, but maybe I'm going to use this time in this process to get better. And I'm going to get out there next year and I'm going to fight for a spot. If you don't have that belief, guess what? You're going to take it easy this year and you're just going to go hang out rather than keep working out. You're not going to push yourself because it's like, I don't care. I ain't going to get there anyway. If you don't have the belief, you'll never have the energy and the effort. But it's the same thing. Without proper preparation, there's no such thing as 
proper expectation. You have to be able to prepare for your trial that you are not yet in. I told the guys the other night, my dad and I had the chance to go up to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and my dad was sharing in the team chapel just like this to these guys. He shared with them right after the chapel got over. We went to a private meeting room in the top penthouse of a hotel, and so here we are, my dad sharing in a room just like this, but there was a hallway right down the middle. You got This was back when they had Ben Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. All these guys were there, and so I was like, I'm a huge Steeler fan, so I'm in the back corner where Coach Chadwell is, and I'm like, you know, mind blown like starstruck for a second like dude that's ab he's sitting like right in front of us right i was telling my brother-in-law my dad's in there we're just chilling all of a sudden the door bursts open and in comes mike tomlin and this is right before they're about to play the baltimore ravens winner of that game takes the afc north takes the division takes the one seed in the postseason during this year so it was a huge game and he comes in, and you could have heard a pin drop besides his footsteps. He comes booming down the aisle. He gets to the front. He turns around real directly, and everyone shut up. And he said, you can't warm up to play. Then he goes to this side of the room. You can't warm up to play. And they're all like, what? What? You can't warm up to play? What do you, what do you mean by that? Man, in life, you can't just turn it on. Inky Johnson says, you can't just become the beast, right? You already have to be the beast. You can't just rise to the occasion when the whistle blows or when you step across the white lines, man. You always, you never rise to the occasion. You always revert back to your training. You always revert back to your training. And Inky Johnson says this, can you be committed to the process without being emotionally attached to the results? That's one of the most, boom, spearheaded questions I've ever received, right? When Inky asked me that, I said, man, that is so difficult to answer. Can you be committed to the process without being emotionally attached to the results? What does that mean? When things don't go your way, when you face adversity, it will either best you or it will bring the best out of you. When you go through the ringer, can you still show up with that day one mindset, that day one energy, that day one effort? It's easy on day one, isn't it, JB? It's easy because you got all your boys back, and it's fun to hit the weight room and try to get some PRs and do all that jazz. But when it's late in the season and you're exhausted, maybe the year hasn't gone the best, maybe you aren't getting the playing time you expected, maybe you're frustrated with coach, there's so many different things and variables that come into play. Can you still show up with that heart and that passion? And what does passion mean? Anybody know what passion actually means? The root word, the Greek and Latin word for it? That's right. To sacrifice or to suffer. It's Easter season, right? We already mentioned that. There's a movie out there called The Passion of the Christ. It's not just about the love that Christ displayed for us. It's that his love was so great that he was willing to suffer for us by paying an ultimate death on a cross. That's what passion means. You got to bring the energy. You got to bring the effort. Number three is execution. The energy, the effort, the preparation that you instill into life, into this game of football, ultimately leads into how you are going to execute then on the field. But it also happens to help you execute in the game of life. You see, I played football at Liberty Christian Academy. I was a quarterback back in my day. I could spin it a little bit. Actually, I couldn't really spin it a little bit, but I mean, I could throw it. And so here I am, right? We won three straight championships right here on this very field. So I have a lot of memories in this stadium. Eddie Ogle gets it. I played with his brother Brian a lot. Bulldogs, man. 
good times. Coach Rocco, though, I remember back in the day, he would always say this, the haze in the barn, boys, right? After our Friday afternoon walkthrough, before the bright lights got turned on, the haze in the barn, boys. How I've always viewed that is that if the haze in the barn, it's time to go reap a reward from my effort. It's time to go reap a reward from it, right? It's not time to put more pressure on myself. Man, I've already done the work. Now it's just time to go out here and reap a reward for it. So many athletes I sit across from, and it's like performance anxiety 101. They're terrified of the pressure. Man, when the bright lights turn on and the crowd and the noise gets elevated, it's like, man, I don't know if I have what it takes anymore. But pressure's a privilege. Pressure's a privilege, man. Why do you say that, Zach? I was talking to an NBA draft guy here recently and he was chatting with me about terrified of you know shooting free throws he was horrible from the line like actually like really bad numbers great shooter could not shoot the free throw and we're talking about he said man every time I step up to the line I feel like everyone's eyes are on me and I just kind of melt and fold under the pressure of it and I said man let's reframe that for a second pressure is not something to be afraid of No, pressure is something to embrace. Why? Because the reason you're even in a high-pressure situation like this, the reason you're even in crunch time late in the game is because somebody believed in you enough to put you there. And it clicked for them. Man, you're right. Somebody believed in me enough that I was in the game in a moment like this with one minute left late in the second half with the game on the line, and now I can believe in myself too. If pressure is a privilege, then I'm going to embrace it and not run away from it. We have to free ourselves to just understand this one thing, too. And I want to remind you of this. The reason each and every one of you are in this room is because Coach Chadwell and coaches prior to him saw something within you that makes you have to understand that, yes, we want progress out of you. That's why you show up every day. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes progress. Why you keep working is because we want to keep elevating your game day in and day out. But your best is already enough. That's why you're here. You wouldn't be here if your best wasn't enough. So free yourself, strip yourself of the pressure in life and understand that maybe, just maybe, you go through adversity because it can produce something greater within you. Pressure is a privilege. you got to execute. Number four is emotion regulation. Yesterday on my podcast, I was interviewing Brian Dawkins, one of Hall of Fame safety from the Philadelphia Eagles. And we're chatting about just emotion regulation. We're chatting about his mental health journey, what he's gone through, what he's endured in life. And Brian's looking at me and he said, one thing that I had to master in life, Zach, was I was so angry with things that have happened in my past that I would come out there and I would just want to fight and hit people with anger in my heart. He said, I was so passionate. He said, that's how, you know, the bear crawl got going for me. I acted like I was bound in chains. I had this animal ferocious like mindset because I just wanted to take it out on people. But he said, what I had to realize is that God was asking me, the more I dove into his word, is that he was asking me to channel my emotions and to take that anger, to pin it up and to say, no, 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 don't take it out on people, but use it for my glory. Use it for my significance. So when you go out there, he said Reggie White was someone he always looked up to, a dude who was a bad man, man. He was a Christian guy. He loved on everybody, but he would take you out. 
He wanted to hit you so hard. And then when you were laying on the ground, he'd go over. And if he hit you too hard, he knocked you out or something, he'd go pray over you. And he goes, that's exactly what I wanted to be. We have to be able to regulate our emotions. In the game of football, the thing that burdens me the most is watching a guy go through some adversity. Things don't go his way. Maybe it's a bad call by the ref. And he just loses his mind, chucks his helmet, right? Throws his bat. I see it all the time. It's a natural inclination, right? Because it means something to us. That's a good sign, right? Emotions can be really good. But it's not about what happens to us. It's about how we respond to what happens to us. How will you respond in the midst of adversity? How will you respond when things don't go your way on the field or off the field? We have to be able to regulate those emotions and understand that that's what God asks us to do. He wants to journey alongside of us, not for our glory, but for His. Can you regulate those emotions? We call those small box people for a second. This is my sports psychologist coming out here. When the box is big and when you have high highs and low lows, the inconsistency won't take you anywhere. What our goal is, is to help you understand that the potential is already deep inside of you. And so my goal is to shrink boxes, to help people shrink, right? I don't want these high highs. I don't want these low lows. I want consistency. And then what we do is we shift the box up a level and a level and a level. My dad said this, success and failure are like bubble gum. You chew on them both for a second, but then you always spit them both out. You always spit them both out. You either win or you learn. Not about the last pitch, not about the last snap, not about the next one. It's about this one. Day in and day out. How will you respond? Number five, only a couple more, is the enemy. Higher you go in athletics, the smaller the skill gap closes. If you haven't noticed, right, everybody around here is good. Everybody you play is good. It's a different level of competition. If some of you get the opportunity of going to the next level, it's even higher, right? The skill gap's even smaller. Everybody at that level is fast. Everybody can hit hard. Everybody has the mental IQ, but what will separate you? You start to realize that the biggest challenge isn't the opponent. No, the biggest challenge is who you look at in the mirror. Michael Jordan in the pinnacle of his career, he was asked this question. Mike, what makes you the GOAT, man? What makes you the greatest of all time? They said, was it your talent? Your skills? Like your upbringing? What was it for you, Mike? This is his response. He said, you want to know what makes me great? I demand more from myself every single day than anyone else could possibly expect of me. I don't compete with other people. I compete with what I'm capable of. Kobe Bryant was asked the same thing. What makes you the black mama, Kobe, in the pinnacle of his career? And he said this answer. Every single day I chased after two things. Perfection and excellence, knowing full well I would never attain either of them. But just the mere fact that I would pursue them, I would almost always beat my opponents because they would never chase after something that didn't have guarantees attached to them. It ain't about them. The focus has to be on you. The focus has to be on the process, on the pursuit over perfection aspect of life. Spiritually speaking, we all know that we have an enemy. John 10.10 reminds us that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to devour. He would love nothing more 
than to kill your reputation because of 30 pieces of silver. He would love nothing more than to steal or rob you of your purpose that God has placed you on your life. Scripture also says that he's roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. One of the greatest lies that Satan will love to make you attached to is that you're alone. Is that you're not worth it. Is that you're isolated. Because isolation is the enemy, not only to this faith, but to progress in general. That's why number six is the word encouragement. From the beginning of time and all of creation, after each day, right? All seven days of creation, God would say, and it was good. And it was good. And it was good. On day six, when he created man in the likeness of his image, he said, and it was very good. But then in Genesis 2.18, God says for the very first time that something was not good. And Genesis 2.18 said, for it is not good that man be alone. For it is not good that man be alone. That's why I believe in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it reminds us that we are called to encourage one another, building one another up. What does it mean to encourage? If you actually break down the word, anybody know what it means? To give courage to. When I encourage you, brother, that means I'm giving you courage for the fight. I'm giving you something that maybe you didn't have, right? I want to encourage you. I want to push you to new heights. My dad always said this, though. But you are who you hang out with. Coach Jackson, my last two years of Liberty Baseball, he would always preach to us, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yes, this is all, what I've been talking about thus far is intrinsic. right? It's that internal piece where you're making the progress inside yourself. But you can't tell me that the environment and the atmosphere and the people you surround yourself with don't impact that. Time and time again, they do. We're too busy trying to fit in when we were born to stand out. I'm going to read some to you. It's a picture I came across. I'm a junkie for motivational stuff, if you guys can't tell. <laughs> this picture was titled, The Lesson of the Eagle and the Crow. It was fitting because the eagle is your mascot. The post read, The only bird that dares to peck an eagle is the crow. The crow sits on the eagle's back and bites his neck. The eagle doesn't respond nor fights with the crow. He doesn't spend time or energy on the crow. Instead, he just opens his wings and begins to rise higher into the heavens. The higher the flight, the harder it is for the crow to breathe. And eventually the crow falls off due to a lack of oxygen. It said, learn from the eagle. Don't fight the crows. Just keep ascending. They may be along for the ride, but they'll soon fall off. Do not allow yourself to succumb to the distraction. Keep your focus on the things above and just continue rising. Two lessons I learned about friends in the midst of that post. Number one, some of you just flat out enjoy hanging with the crows too much. Some of you just settle for it, man. You seek community for affirmation and validation rather than for teaching and correction as well. Proverbs 27, 17 reminds us that as iron sharpens iron, so one man should sharpen another. Yes, find people that will encourage you, that will fuel you, that will affirm you. But find people that are going to push you to a different height, man. 
Find people that want to invest in your life, that actually care about you, that aren't whispering. Take the money. Take the 30 pieces of silver. They don't have your best interest at heart. Some of you, man, are just seeking that validation because you know what you asked the question? Well, at least they accept me for who I am. Maybe it's time we move past that. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for times of adversity. There's a difference between your boys and your brothers. Let me say it again. There's a difference between your boys back home, the ones you got some fun memories with, the ones you party with, you drink with, you go out at night. There's a difference between those boys and the brothers you run to when times get really tough. That's a tough lesson for some of you to hear. It's a tough lesson for some of you to learn. Because the second lesson I learned from that was the hardest lesson I've ever learned in my life. Some people are only supposed to be in your life for a season. You don't have to carry the weight of the world, man. I have a hero complex about me, right? I have kind of a servant's heart. I really care about people. And so if I see you hurting, if I see a friend of mine hurting, I want to pick him up and I want to drag him with me through life. And you know what? That burden, that cross is too heavy to bear. God didn't ask me to carry it. Only he can do that. Some of you, that doesn't mean that you don't love people. That doesn't mean you don't love them anymore, that you don't care about them anymore, that you don't care about their future. But what it does mean is that some people in life, you weren't called to carry because they're prohibiting you from experiencing the fullness of what God has called you to. It doesn't make you a bad person. Sometimes it just means God placed a different calling on your life which requires a different path for your life. Find those friends for the fire, the brothers for adversity. Encouragement is key. My last point as I wrap up is enjoyment. Man, football is a fun game. Football is a fun game. As I mentioned earlier, life, moments, things that happen along the way, sometimes it can rob us of the vision and the reminder that it is supposed to be just fun and that it is just supposed to be a game. And what happens is we find ourselves sucked into it and we begin to attach, right, and find our worth and our value and our identity attached to our performance. And so if you don't hear anything else from me today, I just want you to listen to the last couple of words I have to share. Football is what you get to do. It will never define who you are. Football is what you get to do, gentlemen. It's a blessing. It's a gift from God, right? We talked a lot about effort, hard work, execution, right? The reason is because if God has gifted and entrusted you with this gift, then what you do with it is your gift back to Him. That's important, right? Scripture says, man, if we're called to run, we're, we're going to run to win. It's okay to compete like that but it will never truly define you as a person. When all you seek is approval, you're held captive by those who applaud. And let me tell you, when things don't go your way, the crowd can go quiet really quick. And silence can become deafening. Most people clap for you because they have to, not because they want to. 
But when we live for the applause of nail-scarred hands, gentlemen, everything changes. Everything changes because God is always in our midst. Isaiah 43 verses 1 and 2 are two of my favorites in all of Scripture. Two verses that I actually shared at the altar with my wife when we got married back a year and a half ago in September. It says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. What it means to be redeemed is bought at a price. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, JB. By name, Eddie. You are mine. And it says in verse 2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. There's freedom when we realize that the love, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness that Christ has to offer is something that we could never earn. And the blessing in it is that God doesn't ask us to. We'll never be worthy. But praise God, He calls us worth it. Praise God that He wasn't so cheap that He was going to settle for 30 pieces of silver. Praise God that He didn't say, just let me spare one drop of blood, right? Or just let me take one whip. No, He took all 39 lashings. He took the crown of thorns. He took the spear in the side, the spitting, the mocking, betrayal, to the point where it wasn't The nails that held him there, but his love for each and every one of you, gentlemen. Some of you need to hear those words because you think this is all you're worth. You think that this world has everything it has to offer. But let me remind you, man, this is fleeting. This life isn't about what you get out of it. It's what you put into it. Don't look for the price tag when the price has already been paid. Step into the purpose that God has called you to. It's so much greater than football. And it's so much greater than you. Because if it wasn't bigger than you, then you would try to make it about you. So as we close, man, I just want to give some of you guys an opportunity today. As Easter's approaching... Some of you may believe, you may believe that God is who he says he is. You may believe that the tomb is empty. On Sunday, when it comes around, someone's going to look at you and say, he is risen, JB. How are you going to respond? He is risen indeed. I know all the things to say, right? I can quote all the verses. I can do all that jazz up here. But it means nothing if I just believe without the receive end. Some of you have believed for a while, but you have yet to receive what God has in store for you. You have a past riddled with bad mistakes and bad decisions, and you feel worthless. You feel like you've made too many things have gone wrong for you in life. That God has just allowed things to happen. You have the bad perspective on life because life has made you forget why you do it. They've made you forget your purpose. But my prayer for you today is that you would be able to step into the receiving end and understand that God has this free gift for you that He just wants you to hold on to, that He just wants you to buy into, that He wants you to go all in for. Don't you dare just walk out of here believing. But man, I'm giving you the opportunity to receive today. And then guess what? If it's a math equation, believe plus receive equals become.
When we believe who He is, when we receive what He's already done, we become a child of God. And Scripture says that it wants us, God wants us to be confident in that, to be confident in our faith. This Easter season, my prayer is that you would be confident, that you know exactly where you're going, that you know exactly what God has called you to, that you know the exact purpose that He has destined you for, and that you would be all in, baby. You wouldn't be on the fence straddling. We got a lot of straddlers, right? I've met a lot of straddlers. I've been a straddler in my life where it's like, man, I I love you, God, but I also love this. 30 pieces of silver. What's it worth? Be all in. If you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes. And just, you don't have to repeat this out loud, but from your heart to God's. Heavenly Father God, Lord, thank you that even if you do nothing else, God, you have already done enough. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to pay the ultimate price for me, to die a substitutionary death in my place. God, I believe that the tomb is empty. God, I believe that you still live and you still reign. But God, today, I am choosing to receive what you have for me. God, your grace. God, your forgiveness. God, your mercy. God, your love. I've done things in my life that I shouldn't have done. I've settled and sold out and been cheap. God, I'm a sinner. But Father, thank you for the free gift of salvation. Father, thank you for saving me. Today, I choose to be all in and to step into the purpose that you've destined for my life. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if that was maybe a prayer that you said for the very first time from your, God, your heart to God's and you meant it seriously in your life. Or maybe it's a time in your life when it's been really difficult for you. You've struggled in life. You've gone through some difficult moments and you're ready to get back on track to go all in with God. If this is a moment for you, if you would just, just look up at me. Just make eye contact with me. Several people staring at me. Several people ready to go all in. You can open your eyes. Fellas, I have one last thing I'm going to do. And for those that looked up at me, this is going to be a big time decision for you to make. I feel prompted by the Spirit to ask you guys if you would take a willing stand If you looked up at me, if this was a decision that you made and you're ready to go all in, let's go all in. My friends, my prayer for you is that you truly would be willing to go all in today and every day moving forward, understanding that we don't want to be cheap anymore, that we don't want to sell out anymore, that we don't want to trade what we want most for what we want now. Man, you guys, let me tell you something. This life is worth so much more than one mistake, than one decision, than one 
desire. And my prayer is that you would continually embrace this process of progress as you keep building and developing and forging this sense of inner excellence within yourself, but also as you keep embracing that process of stepping into the purpose and the calling that God has placed upon your life. Remember, it all begins with the proper expectation because then our expectation fuels our level of energy output or effort. Then the energy or the effort typically correlates over into our level of execution. And then in the midst of our level of execution, we must remember that it's about our emotional regulation. We have to be able to regulate those emotions when the going gets tough, when we fail, when times are hard, when there is adversity at stake. We have to be able to regulate our emotions. We also have to remember that there is an enemy, right? Not only spiritually speaking, he's like a roaring lion roaming around seeking whom he may devour You guys, we have to be able to recognize him, to be aware of him, to be alert, to be prepared for him, but also an understanding that oftentimes he tries to make us our own worst enemies. So we have to be able to embrace this process of looking in the mirror and saying, I just want the 1% rule. I want to be better, just a little bit better each and every day. And how is that fueled? It's fueled through the process of encouragement, that we need people to come alongside of us. There's an old riddle that said, how did the turtle get on top of the fence? The answer, somebody put him there. We have to remember that we have to surround ourselves with people that will sharpen us, that will love on us. Yes, of course, that will validate us, but also that will correct us and that will teach us as well to walk in a way of righteousness that will hold us accountable. That's the type of people that I want surrounding me in my life. And when we do those things, then we can experience life with a level of enjoyment that we may possibly never have had if it weren't for those six prior E's and principles leading up to it. Life is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be filled with joy. And that's what scripture talks all about right james chapter 1 verses 2 to 4 consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters even when you face trials of many kinds because we know that the testing of our faith goes on to produce perseverance so let perseverance finish its race so that you may be mature complete lacking nothing we don't consider it joy because of the trials or the tribulations or the sufferings that we may experience or endure. No, my friends, we can consider it pure joy because of what those things can and will produce within us if we allow God to do so. My friends, I don't know what you're going through today, but I pray that this message would have hit home for you, that you would be taking those seven E's, those seven words, those seven principles, and that you would be trying to apply them to your daily life today to build and to grow and to foster that inner excellence that we need when times are good, but especially when times are bad. My friends, um, again, I just wanted to say thank you so much uh, just for joining us today, for listening to this message that God placed on my heart months ago. And I believe that is one that um, hopefully would have been able again to hit home with you for such a time as this. As always, Thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you right back here next week on the Built Different Podcast.